welcome back to Behind Our Door with Julie and Nancy. If you've been listening to some of our previous podcasts, we would like you to follow us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, Snapchat, or, and if you have any questions or comments, please email us at behindourdoor at mail.com. We would love to hear from you. Hi, Julie. Hi, Nancy. How are you today? I'm good. How have you been? I've been I've been well. Um, it's it's been kind of a rough couple weeks in between our podcasts. So, um, what's going on? Well, you know, in this world of mental illness, unfortunately, my son and I are not speaking. We're not on speaking terms. He has decided that medication is no longer for him. And although I want to support that decision, it makes it pretty hard because he then views me as the enemy whenever yeah. he's not on medication. How often does he pull that uh, medication is not for me situation? Because he's compliant a lot of the time, isn't he? Most, most of, the of the time, time since he's been on medication since he's been very young. And most of the time he is compliant. It's as he's getting older, he's really struggling with the, I don't know what you want to call it, um, do I need it? I don't need it. I feel better when I'm off it. And I truly want to believe that, but the things that he tells me are not very nice, not very positive. He seems to be stuck in um in a dark place. And I mean dark place, not suicidal dark place, but just very negative outlook on everything, on life, on working, on school, on on everything. Yeah, and probably not seeing the uh, perspective you are. He's feeling awful but doesn't realize he should right. get back on the medication. Right, exactly. You know, and unfortunately, it, I can't get to a place with him to have a conversation because he's very manic. So he doesn't take a lot of breaths in between sentences. Yeah. To even offer my perspective, and when I do, he just gets he just gets more angry at me. So it's been a struggle, you know. Which of course brings into our topic of the day, the holidays. The holidays. <laughs> I always Yay. laugh when when you say the holidays. It's a magical time of year. <laughs> <laughs> well, not so much. No, not depend, for everybody. De- yeah, it depends <laughs> whose house you're living in. Exactly. Well, and it's uh, it's such a good topic to talk about because I feel like you do have, you know, so much around you that looks so positive on paper, but is uh, the reality is just not so with so many so many households, and whether you have a factor of mental health issues or not, it's rough. I mean, the holidays can really be tough. I think it's a people. lot of pressure, don't you think? It's, it's a lot of pressure. I, it's a lot of pressure. It's such a time to reflect what's going on in your life. Um, I think people in general can't help but look back at, you know, the holidays, years past, and measure what they're, what they think they should be doing or uh, what the expectations are. And so I think it's a really tough time in that way. Do you think we try to measure up what's out there on, in the media? I think that's a factor, but I also think, you know, it's a time when you're with your families more, uh, or with friends, and if you have a situation going on in your house, it puts the pressure on in that way of uh, trying to act like everything's great, everything's fine, and you're sort of exposed more, maybe at that time, exposed to people, exposed to life 
in that way more during the holidays. So I think I think it's tough. I think it's tough on people with that. Do you think that being COVID last year when we were all in quarantine and we weren't able to sit with our families um, made it better or worse? You know what? I think it's a, I, me personally, I think it's a 50-50 split because when I just judged the uh, friends, my own friends and family and phone calls that I always talk about the phone calls I get, the crisis calls yes. and, uh, and otherwise, resource calls, crisis calls, whatever they are, I think it's a real 50-50. Some people that were isolated loved it. They said, I love that there's no, I don't have to be doing anything. There's no expectation. And it made it easier for them. And others just found it brutal not to be with people. and Very feeling lonely. Like, really lonely and feeling just exactly the opposite. So, you know, I just think it's like, it's like a lot of things with COVID, that with the pandemic, it's just um, people are people. And I... I think they, uh, it's just a 50-50 of what, what people want and what they do. See, in our family, when my son was younger, our favorite holiday was Halloween. And I am definitely very over the top with decorating <laughs> and preparing. And he was involved in that with me. So, boy... To the money we spent on that stuff, um, and my, that my kids probably would love to have had you as a mother because I'm not fun. <laughs> I'm sure you're fun. I'm in not. Your own a, way. I'm not a Halloween person. There, if anyone's listened to this in my family, they'd say, "Oh, I wish we would have been in Julie's house." <laughs> I didn't do any of that. I don't. I don't even know why it started. Um, I just really. I think I like dressing up and you know pretending to be somebody else that you're not and. Um, we had a big bay window, so I always wanted to do a scene. And this is before the big Halloween stores. So you really had to be inventive. And my son was very creative. And we just really had a great time setting up, getting ready. And then when he was a little older, he would hide and scare the kids. And <laughs> so it was like, I mean, it was like a magical moment in our time. And then as you get toward Thanksgiving, which of course is now, um, I say that my son is a seasoned cycler. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. Mm-hmm. Why don't you explain it to the audience? Um, when the seasons change, their their moods tend to change more quickly. They tend to cycle more quickly. That's, that's for um, people who suffer from bipolar. Mm-hmm. So um, for him in the fall slash spring, was tough. He would start probably around this time, which probably can contribute to why he's not taking medication, right? That he would get more agitated. He would sleep less. He was more negative. He was getting in trouble at school more, things like that. And then by the time spring would roll around, he would usually end up in the hospital so we could do a medication change. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And that went on, I mean, that cycle was a pattern for years? Pattern, yes. And I call him a spring cycler. Some people are different. Like I said, it would start in the winter and go into the spring. Um, some people are the opposite. They start in the fall and go in the winter. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, there's no, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason. When I first heard it, I thought that the person that said it to me was a little crazy, like, that's that's not true. How could you cycle with a, a season? But think about it. Think about, you oh, know. I, I can see it. Yeah. 
You nope. feel different when the when the weather changes and and what season you like better than others is leaving or coming in would right. make a difference. It's the lighting. The lighting. You know, people have trouble with uh, less light. Um, and again, like it's sad. Like, Seasonal affective exactly. disorder. That's exactly what it is. It becomes dark a lot earlier and we find ourselves struggling to get out of bed. We're yawning all day. We're very tired, lethargic. We don't want to do much of anything. Mm-hmm. So we have to learn to push through those moments, whether it's exercise or walking or talking with your friends or family exactly to get you through the day. Interesting, when you talk about the months, I was in anticipating talking about, you know, having our holiday conversation that we are today. I read that in November, December, and January, the daily suicide rates are actually at the lowest of the year, which is, this really? was in, this was taken off discoverymood.com. And, um, and it's a surprise, it's surprising because you think people that really hit, you know, a low point during the holidays that that would, uh, that would have suicides be more prevalent. But they, the facts say that suicide rates are not the highest during those months, but for people that have some sort of mental health condition, the symptoms can really increase. And that, uh, of course, stress is the trigger for things to go haywire plenty of times, any time of year, but stress during the holidays is so prevalent that that's when symptoms increase. Someone with schizophrenia can have more hallucinations and delusions, and uh, you're talking bipolar disorder, can trigger more, um, you know, severe mood changes. So that's the tough part about that time of year. Um, and I just, I can see it. And then they talk about the holiday blues. To define holiday blues, it's, you know, depression and anxiety with the holidays that might be because you don't like the isolation that you're going through. You wish you were with family. And I'm not talking COVID. I'm just talking right. uh, I'm holidays the pandemic, in, just yeah. holidays in general that can be tough for people just you know, no mental health conditions in that discussion of just tough for people. And uh, the holiday blues go away usually when the holidays are over. But uh, depression, you know, real serious depression and anxiety, of course, is always there. Holidays are over, you're still going through it. So um, I thought that was surprising that November, December, and January. So you're making um, a point, too, that there's two different types of... Sadness. Sadness. Thank mm-hmm. you for the word. Um like a holiday blues mm-hmm. versus a, a real depression. Yeah. How, that, would, how would you define specifically? that? Uh, like I said, the holiday blues are attributed to um, why you'd be sad during the holidays. Maybe it's people that are missing people that are gone. Yeah. And you think back about past holidays when everybody was together. Or it ju- could just be that you don't like where your life is at right now and you measure it's the holidays it's you know god the way they stress new year, the new year and the new year's resolutions and all that new just, that that can be good so good for some people and so not for others so uh but holiday blues it's over after all that for the most part those people are thinking thank god it's january third and I'm going back to work and this is all behind me or it's just you know back to business so glad school life but real depression it's not like that that just hangs on the holidays make it worse I feel like I'm repeating myself from before but the holidays make it worse but it's always still there so um, I think that's an important distinguished uh, thing to distinguish because um, you know people can really feel sadness that 
are not necessarily enough to diagnose themselves as really having a major problem other than just, you know, you can feel sad. It's just life, you know. So as a family member who's a caretaker to or trying to support someone with mental health issues, how do you think the best way is that they should approach the holidays coming up with their loved one? What what are things or steps that they can take to put in place to make it easier for everyone, for themselves and, and for their yeah, loved so one? It, that's such a good question. And I know you know the answer in your life. And I know the answer in my life. Yes. But um, overall, and I think back to um, my own personal life that I'll talk about in a second and people that I speak to all the time throughout the year and I'm thinking now during the holidays is to first take expectations and throw them out the window. I mean, that's the, that is such a negative is to have expectations of exactly what you think, uh, these wonderful holidays should be like. And if you have someone that you're caring for, or if it's you struggling with, um, some sort of mental health condition, it's all you're creating for yourself is disappointment. So take expectations off the table. Um, and then, uh, and not to set such high standards of what you're going to accomplish. Um, just taking it, taking it as it comes and really not overdoing it in the sense of what you think you, you know, anywhere from gift buying to being with people to what you should be doing. Um, you know, expectations, can be defined in different ways, but I think that just taking a step back and uh, deciding to just take things one thing at a time. Um, I also think being with family, um, it's a time to decide uh, how to, over time, really talk about, let's say you have someone in the house who has uh, some sort of mental health condition, and this I can speak from personal experience. I have uh, three children, and one of them really has struggled with depression and anxiety since since he was thirteen, and oh, now wow. is well into adulthood. And um, and I think of uh, I'm someone who has had my family for many years for the holidays, Thanksgiving, and um, and otherwise. You and host it many times, yeah. And my our house, living in the Chicago area, we were sort of in the middle. Some lived in Minneapolis, Milwaukee, and our house was a good location. And uh, and then East Coast wise, it was still still travel too. So it was um, me having the dinners, the, all the meals, having the cousins sleep over, and you know, lots. It was definitely good quality time, but it could really, if there's something going on, create like total stress. And one time I can remember, this is uh, when the same told you was diagnosed when he, 13 or so with depression and anxiety. Yes. Now he's like in high school, maybe 16. And I was getting ready for hosting, shopping, cooking, all of that, having the house ready for all overnight guests. And my son is getting uh, more, you know, just maybe going through what we're talking about with the holidays, stressed out and depression, but worse than usual. It was like the um, sort of getting to be a chaotic state of, um, you know, stress in the house because I'm getting ready. I'm doing all this and I'm the farthest thing from Martha Stewart. I mean, (laughs) does not come naturally to me. So, um, I sort of was pushing it to the side and finally the night before everybody's coming the next day, it was really bad. He was just in bad shape. And I thought, I've oh. got to get him to see a doctor. So last, mi- 
last minute, they squeeze us in early the next morning. My family's coming at, you know, the midday. And we waited for the doctor, then got prescribed a new medication, went to Walgreens, and all in all, walked in the same time where my family had just arrived, like a oh, whole crowd. Gosh. And I can remember thinking that all of these years before that, you sort of keep to yourself, or at least I did it, because I didn't even know what was going on. And just the stress of um, keeping everybody at bay, sort of just things come when, you ha- when I had these guests seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, you know, with this particular, mm-hmm. this particular child. Um, I mean, there's stressors from everybody at times, but um, not really being open about what's going on. And did and, you lie then? Did and, you say, you know, you can, you can, I'd say lie or just not talk about it. Um, and it's a thing that I'm going to talk about in future shows that is a biggie with me is the fine line between privacy for this person and having an anti-stigma attitude as a parent. I mean, we had, I always say no stigma in the house. It's like, you know, if you got something going on mentally or physically, so, you know, we deal with it and, um, no shame or anything. I mean, it's just, uh, hence my involvement with the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's what it's all about. But I, uh, I think there is a fine line of protecting this person and not saying to everyone, this is what's going on. It's just, it's personal. I don't care if he's 13, it's personal. So uh, I look at, I was thinking when I was driving here today that, that that particular time coming in from the doctor's office when I drive up the driveway, oh, everybody's cars are here. You know, it's just swing into action. And this poor kid. That had to give you some anxiety, too. Me anxiety, but I looked at my son, you know, a total sweetheart going through a really tough time. Like, oh, this is probably the worst thing for him right now to walk in with all the family. And we have a, you know, wonderful family, but it's people. And um, I remember saying, let him, you know, Charlie's going to go upstairs and, uh, you know, just uh, take it easy a little bit. And then, you know, my family knew at that point we had struggles with depression and anxiety that, you know, it was it's perfectly acceptable, but it's, it's leaving him alone. It's giving him a space. And you asked, you know, a few minutes ago, what are some things? Uh, it's giving somebody space. It's uh, if they need quiet time, it's giving them the opportunity to speak out about this or not. Um, and I think that's crucial. I think you just have to, you have to really listen to that and have, uh, and go with it. I agree with you. It takes off some of the pressure. So yeah, someone like me being in the job I'm in, being a first responder, our schedules change all the time and we're not necessarily off for the holidays ever. Right. I can't, to be honest with you, I can't even remember the last holiday I was off. But so what we started to do, because my brother is, is a fireman. So between the two oh, of us, um, busy. it's it's kind of chaotic schedule to get together and have a, a family holiday. But what we would do is figure out whatever day that we were off together, and that would be our family holiday, which I think took away some of the pressure Definitely. Off, off my son because there wasn't such a buildup to it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the day. Not that when he was younger, Santa would still come you know, Santa never misses a Christmas, but mm-hmm. um, as far as the family unit, and I have a big extended family on both sides, mm-hmm. and we always have big Christmas parties, and I said to him, 
when he was a little bit older, if you don't want to go, then we won't go. And that was it. That's the. That's exactly what I'm saying. And you can't. Um, you can't look at it as. Oh, this is the biggest thing. I'm missing last minute. I'm canceling <laughs> to say to them we're not coming, or sometimes canceling. We're not hosting. I mean, there's all sorts of. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but we're not doing it. And you just can't look at that as the biggest deal. It just is going to hurt you in the end. So it's a new a new way to prioritize so that you can balance all of this. And uh, priorities have to change. I mean, life ebbs and flows. And I think that the more you're open to change and realizing things might not turn out exactly like I planned, uh, the better off you and, and your family member would be. I think the misconception is that because it's it's a mental illness is that people can't see it. Mm-hmm. If I said to my family, my son has um, cancer, you know, and he's going through treatment right now, we can't make it to Christmas, don't you think that they would... That person would be upstairs resting and no questions asked. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I would get a lot of empathetic phone calls. Right. That's but a, that's mental big... health is viewed so differently that... They want us to change what they would consider the behavior. And it's hard to get people to understand that it's not a behavior, mm-hmm. that it's actually a brain disorder. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's always the million-dollar question, how do you convey that to people? But I think hopefully slowly but surely the stigma will change across the board. It's just going to take a while longer. Yeah, I think it's, it is it is slowly changing, but I feel sorry for... Like I said, my son and I are not speaking right now. Will we be speaking, you know, by the holidays? I'm not sure. And and how do you handle that? Yeah. For my situation, I'm married. My husband has children, other children. They're my my stepchildren. So how do I pretend to be a great stepmom and excited for them when I have a child that I'm not connecting with right now. Yeah, I think that I think that honesty with yourself and honesty with people around you is the best way. If you can do that and sometimes it takes a long time because if you own up to really what's going on, I think it really like to for you to say to yourself, "Okay, he's not speaking to me now. The holidays are just the holidays." You know, hopefully early in the year things will turn around. It just takes it takes some pressure off you. I mean, it's rough. I, I feel like I've gone through a lot of the same things of uh, things are just not like I pictured them to be. And you don't have the relationship you, you wanted at the time. But if you own up to it, you sort of, and the acceptance for the moment and realizing it's just not permanent. You know, right. it's really, that's, that's, that's so much of this. And with mental illness and mental health conditions of all kinds, I feel like, um, you talked about um, in one of our past podcasts endocrinology and hormones and you know the whole medical side of why why some of this is happening at the time to the brain that it's as a person is growing through all the stages of life it ebbs these these mental health conditions change they flow you know in different directions oh, and yes. it, it never stays the same no. and um, and I think that that can make it difficult. And I also think that can make more of a positive. It gives you hope that, okay, I'm going to accept what's going on now, but down the road, things change. And um, I think that your son 
you know, suddenly he's not taking his medication. Okay, so uh, he'll pretty, probably see pretty soon that he needs to take it. You know, it just, who knows how long. Right, right. And in the interim, I'm, I mean, I'm going to try to be involved in the holidays as much as I can. I'm obviously I'm, I'm trying to be honest with my husband Mm -hmm. and his family. They're well aware of the situation that we're in. Don't you think that takes the pressure off uh, somewhat with you being honest about all that? And I'm with everybody truly blessed to have a supportive family. Um, They have been, yeah, that's important. uh, I mean, they have not judged me or him. They have been very accepting of him. They, they love him. Um, I'm just sorry he can't see that right now. So I will put my best foot forward. And if if it's if I'm not feeling it, I just said I can't fake it till I make it type mm-hmm. of thing. So I will do the best I can and be good to yourself. Yeah, I mean that's a whole other thing of um, of taking being a little selfish, taking time for yourself yes. to do what you like to do. Um, one huge thing is to make sure. <laughs> that you embrace nature if you like that. Go be outside. It makes a big difference in the stress factor of doing things for yourself. Exercise, try and eat well, try to sleep. And of course, it's totally stressful of a situation. There's lack of sleep. But taking really extra good care of yourself during this season is uh, makes a big difference. It's so important not to overdo it, not, you know, it's hard to say, avoid alcohol. I always kind of like, well, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a tough time of year for that. Whatever but, gets you through but, the day, uh, as long as you're not abusing it. <laughs> but there's a lot of, you know, try and be preoccupied with the good stuff for yourself. Well, that's just it. You have to focus on the on the positive. If, if you focus on the negative in mental health, it will bring you down with it. I, I said five years ago, I'm not going to let this illness take both of us. Yeah. And, and if you're stronger, they'll be stronger. Um, yes. I feel like uh, I have to take really good care of myself to be there for all those that need me in my family. And I, if I don't, I am not going to be any help. Right. You, gotta ha- you have to take care of yourself first, or you, yeah. can't, you can't take care of others. Some other things that I have put in place are, you know, some coping strategies. Mm-hmm. When my son was younger, I would start talking about the holidays way before they were ever coming to be. We have this party. We have this party. How are you feeling? You know, check in with them. See what they're they're going through. See if they're going to want to go. Do you want to go for an hour? Do you want to just go eat and leave? What, Whatever their comfort zone is, I, I think we need to learn to respect that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, the hardest part is when I get a lot of calls from caregivers or parents is when their child is not with them um, because of being homeless, incarceration, um, or something of that sort. Maybe just living, maybe they're in a hospital, maybe they're in residential, maybe they're living with a roommate. Um, that's, That's a tough one because you want to be with them and yet the illness is preventing that from happening. So what would you do, what would you suggest for someone to do to to get through that? Well, I think you have to take it as it comes. Every situation is different. And you have to do what's best for you and for your own mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, do the things you enjoy. Yes. If you need to sit home on Christmas exactly. and cry because you're missing your loved one, 
it's okay. Yeah, and not go to a party and pretend like you're not upset. Exactly. I mean, you got You have to be good to yourself. Yes, yes. If you need to sit home and online shop, then that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That might be one of my vices. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel I feel exactly like that. I mean, I I think you just have to set you have to set boundaries of of uh, how far you'd push yourself for these things, if at all, and do what you want to do. Right. We call it, um, I don't know if you've heard this term, but ambiguous grief. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like, um, you know, that, that kind of, all the things that you um, want to do for yourself that don't, don't fit into the norm of holiday uh, festivities are absolutely fine and acceptable, period, end of story. People should do what they want to do. Right. Um, and then... Uh, Define your own. Yeah. Define your own traditions. And try to, if you're really feeling like you're missing that person or missing out on what you wanted to do, try to think of, you know, it's that time of year of, of great reflection. Whether you like it or not, it's a time of reflection. And I think writing down either on paper, in your mind, what you do have that's good, what you are grateful for, really helps. I think that is. it sounds like a totally cornball thing to do of just be grateful and people could, you know, throw themselves at the wall thinking nothing. <laughs> but um, but there is, if you dig down... Like that positive, personal positive yeah, reinforcement. Yeah, that just remind yourself of what you have and not what you don't have. And I think of the groups I've facilitated around the holidays and um, around the table, one of the biggest things that people will talk about with this are, you know, try and throw out, you know, the whole idea of, of worrying about what people think of you not showing up, of you showing up, of your, you know, the troubles you have with your family member, of whatever. Just, just to take all of that off the table is really good for you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, maybe you need to increase some therapy sessions during this, too. Uh-huh. Maybe you need to get, gain some extra support. It, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. And like you're saying, it's good when you said you think ahead of time. Maybe that's a good idea, too, is trying to be proactive and not waiting until the crisis hits of thinking that you're going to really prepare and, and make sure the support's in place and add on, you know, different, maybe more frequent therapy of some sort. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is because the way the brain works, we have to preempt everything. So giving them a warning. It's it's consistent with what we teach in CIT training, right? We mm-hmm. need to tell you and communicate what we're going to do as to not scare you or throw you off or mm-hmm. put you in. No surprises. Right. No surprises. So preempt it talk about what's coming up talk about the holidays mm-hmm. talk about the expectation of it what do you want to do what do we want to do as a family mm-hmm. how and, should we handle and this? you don't have to decide right now I mean it's just you know taking some the pressure off where you can goes a long way yes I agree with that a thousand percent and and leaning on those those therapists that are out there mm-hmm. um, or for someone like my son, who is a seasoned cycler, we had to, uh, you know, change medications sometimes or get different therapies in place. 
there are a lot of non-invasive therapies, I think, that people don't talk about enough, too, mm-hmm. um, that can help. And there's online therapy now. Yeah, What right. a great invention. It's, uh, it, you know, really has made it so much more accessible to pe- for people to get help. Yeah. I mean, that's just a, uh, of course, some people really need to sit face-to-face, but plenty of times they've perfected this. You really get the attention looking at your sc- computer screen. I have never done it yet, but um, I have asked my son if he would do that with me, if we could have family therapy online. So I'm looking forward to finding something like that so mm-hmm. he and I can try to work together to rebuild our relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Speaking of online, I read an article how even Zoom family holidays during the pandemic were stressful for some people. Oh, they couldn't stand, really. and it was... It was kind of a comical, I forgot where I saw it. It was a funny description, but it was saying, I can't deal, I cannot deal with it. (laughs) All those squares, and uh, everyone's talking at once, and I really have nothing to say. And, uh, you know, what their comments were really funny, but they were saying, I can't, even the Zoom holidays were awful. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's funny. So... We did not do a Zoom holiday, but I would find that quite awkward. We did did uh, Thanksgiving... um, was it last year? Yeah, I guess last year. And it was comical as my parents needed oh. so many lessons <laughs> to be able to partake. And half of the Zoom was, you know, unmute. And can somebody can somebody come upstairs <laughs> and help you? <laughs> so it was... Really, were they talking and you couldn't they, hear anything? For part of it. Yeah. And then they did. And then their faces were so close. You're like, just lean back a little. I just see your eye. But um, but it was it was funny and it was you know it was kind of just uh, it was uh, a little bit chaotic in the sense you know like any Zoom everybody's talking at once so but still I I feel like that uh, that might be even that might have been great for some people I'm gonna say yeah that <laughs> might that might some people might say I wish we could just do a Zoom every year yeah we don't have to see each other right. <laughs> That might work for them. Me, I need touch. I need to hug yeah, people. I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying being with my family too. Me face too. Face to face. I'm, I'm very looking forward to spending the holidays again with my family and. Yeah, but I do think back to other years. I'm enjoying it so much because I've done the work, and look back on other years of um, explaining, first not explaining, and then explaining as as the years went on. This is the situation, let's say, with my son. Um, he's going to do his thing, and we're going to do ours, and it's perfectly acceptable. If he's not, you know, doing exactly what, what we're doing, it's fine. Um, you know, it's just, uh, again, take the expectations off the table. Yeah, I feel with my family that in the beginning, half my family was like, okay, we don't care, whatever works. And my son loved going to them. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of my family said, sure, we get it, we don't care either. But they did not go out of their way to interact with him. Mm -hmm. Now, this is coming from his words. Is that a good thing or bad thing? Bad thing, because he then felt very isolated, and didn't mm-hmm. really want to go by that family mm-hmm. because he didn't feel accepted. He, His words are, I feel like the black sheep of the family all mm-hmm. the time. And don't forget, he has another 
family, which is his father's side, which does not have communication with him. And he feels like they've abandoned him. So the holidays have been specifically... That's a whole rough side. Yes, tough for him because he really genuinely wants to be a part of the family. Mm -hmm. And I can't force them. I asked them for many years to please call and include. And um, his other grandmother would, would call on Christmas and occasionally she would pick him up, sometimes not. Um, but he never really got to know his aunts and uncles and cousins and he truly missed out on that opportunity to be close mm-hmm. with them. So, And you say in that sense that, um, again, that's the way it is, and it's rough, but it's, it's their loss, really, because he wanted it. I try to explain that to him. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's very heartfelt. He's, he yeah. he um, takes that stuff very personally. Mm-hmm. And... I just try to remind them how valuable he really is mm-hmm. and what they're missing out on. It's it's their loss. They didn't want to make the effort. Um, as he gets older, I I guess he will have to make some effort also, mm-hmm. which is difficult coming into a family unit unit, excuse me, that you didn't feel like you were really a part of to begin with. Um, and I think because the stigma is lessened and people understand it more that my relatives who weren't, I don't want to say accepting, they were, they were accepting. They just didn't know how to act. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. They I didn't mean, know how to act around him. So I think, I think that's, and here we haven't, you know, we're speaking to our audience. I think that there are probably a lot of people listening to this right now that say that's their situation. I think that's, it's a tough situation. That's, you know, that happens. Right. People don't know how to act. Right. And so what I try to tell him is, like, he's he's got mental illness. He's not stupid mm-hmm. by far. Please don't treat him like he's stupid or he can't hear like he has a hearing issue. Did you ever notice that? Mm-hmm. People speak louder. Like Two people. Yeah. yeah or, like, his I brain guess. works mm-hmm. slow. I'm like, that's not what, what bipolar looks like at all. So I said he's very smart. He's very engaging. You just have to find a a common ground to connect with him. Mm-hmm. Um, the positive, like I think of what you're saying, is that your son, you know, there's always something that's good. And your son, if he's not feeling accepted by them, but he's seeing how you're you're sticking up for him and you are standing behind him, that's one of the best things. Yes. I mean, he sees his parent, his mother, as so strong behind him. That's a, that's a big part. That's a big part of recovery. Yeah. I agree with you. I think he felt empowered because mm-hmm. if he didn't want to go, then I wouldn't go. Or mm-hmm. I would ask him, do you want me to stay home with you? Do you want to stay home by yourself? Of course, mm-hmm. when he was older, not when he was little. But, um, And that's kind of how we worked it. We worked as a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's really good. In the, rough, in the tough times, yeah. that's good. And when he was away, um, he's been in residential care on and off for various years and or inpatient. Um, I just tried to be as supportive as I could because most of the time it wasn't it wasn't in the same state. And like I said, I have to work. And so I would schedule a vacation to go out and see him at a later date, and we would celebrate then. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's great to mm-hmm. redefine it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's really a positive 
you have to redefine your normal because mm-hmm. again and again, uh, yes, year to year. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, in my job, nothing's normal. Mm-hmm. So nothing being normal is normal to us. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I, I'm like, we just keep rolling with it. So I think that's really, that's a healthy way. It really is the, in a tough situation, it's one of the best roads to take. Yeah. And I look at, I look at my situation of, um, my son is, you know, engaging with people. He's, you know, he's, he's, uh, he loves being with the family many times. And I think part of it is the way this grows and, um, and the way we deal with it, He, he and us. If I had said to him all those years, you have to be with the family, sit, you know, like in other words, pretend there's no, you have to sit with the family. I think it would have made a real difference. He's just honest. He makes up his own mind of how we're allowing him to make up his own mind of how he wants to deal with things. And, uh, and he's, you know, right along with everybody plenty of times. So it's a good thing. Right. Yeah. Make your own rules. Well, I think in tying up our time, it's important for people to, uh, like we said, really take care of themselves um, make sure that you, you make time for yourself during these holidays. Um, take all the expectations off the table. Just go with the flow and reach out for help when you need it. Um, be a little selfish with what you like to do and uh, set boundaries so that people, you know, these, these holiday pressures are not running you, running you down. Agreed. Thank you, Nancy, for that. And oh, thanks, Julie. That's same here. Good conversation. I uh, hope that I hope that your son comes around soon. Well, I'll keep all the viewers in the loop. We'll see how it goes. Everything changes from day to day. If okay. you um, are liking our podcast, please follow us. Please download us, and don't forget we have social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you have questions or comments please find us at behindourdoor.mail.com. If you or someone you know is in crisis struggling with mental illness, you can call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or the NAMI Helpline at 1-800-950-6264. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks, Julie. See you next time.